If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. How you doing? Well, that's good. You're listening to PHLY Flyers. That's right, PHLY. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. And I am joined for the second time now. This is a regular thing. My new line mate, (laughs) JP Zapata. What's going on tonight, JP? Not much, man. I'm glad to be back. Would rather talk about a victory, but I think this was a great test, and I'm excited to talk about this one. It was. It was. uh, Just watching how this game unfolded, the Flyers, first couple of minutes, you you called it a great test. I was just like, oh, yeah, well, this is what the Hurricanes do to you. Yeah. They just have the puck and say, come and get it. And typically you can't. Uh, they're the best possession team in hockey. They have been for a while. They play with a tremendous pace. They move the puck quickly and kind of was, like, oh, all right. Well, looks like this one's not going to be much of a game. But after those first few minutes, I really thought the Flyers evened things up. You know, it was funny as a, uh, as Sean Couturier makes the play to set up the uh, the Owen typical, the first goal of the game, I'm just watching how the Hurricanes are playing, and it's, yeah, I really think Coots is the only guy, like, physicality-wise and, like, what he's able to do with his stick to break up passes and everything. He's the only one who really matches what Carolina can do. And as I'm, like, saying this to myself, basically, he creates the turnover in the neutral zone to get play going the other way. Flyers score, and it was... All right, they're going to be even in this one. They even end up taking up a taking a two to one lead. They had a bunch of power plays, couldn't convert those. I'm sure we'll talk about that in a second. I'm going to ask Charlie about it when he joins us. But I was, despite you know the way it ended and the game ends a lot the way it begins, it's like, oh yeah, Uh, Flyers can't break out. Carolina just going to hold the puck until they get an open chance, and they do finally beat Hart in what was a crazy third period. But I was impressed with the way the Flyers played against the team that is still the Eastern Conference favorite. Yeah, and all these losses, to me, Bill, it's a stepping stone for this hockey team. This is a Carolina Hurricanes team that is well-experienced in the playoffs. You mentioned Sean Couture. He's someone who should be playing deep in the playoffs. That's that's a discussion for another time. But 
you talked about the beginning part of the game where they were where they were struggling against Carolina. They picked themselves back up. That third period, they went toe to toe with Carolina, and unfortunately, the, the 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 dice didn't roll in the Flyers' way. But I love these type of experiences here for the Flyers because there's a lot to learn. You're not, I mean, listen, you're a couple. You see what it takes when you see a team like Carolina, how disciplined they are, how physical they are, especially defensively. It, it starts with that. That's something that we need to work on as well. We are still pretty young, but I mean, I'm taking more positives away from this one than I am negative. Absolutely, you know, I thought uh, I thought it was very very telling when uh, Charlie posted the video from uh, Torts from the morning skate today, mm-hmm. as asking. It was specifically a question about Morgan Frost first time yeah. he missed. He was scratched for six straight games, and it was well. What do you want to see out of him? Because it's not like he's going to be at the top of his game right away he hasn't played in two weeks pretty yeah. much so and he's like listen i'm uh, i'm cognizant of he hasn't played in six games i want to see him play with pace yeah and really that was what the entire team needed to do tonight and i thought that was a big part of the beginning of this game was oh they're not used to seeing i mean very few teams do what carolina does they average over 35 shots on goal a night they're the best team in the league in terms of shot differential they own the puck they dominate teams and you know you you look at freddie anderson's uh save percentage coming into the game it's oh this is why their record isn't maybe what vegas is is what colorado's is it's hey, he's got an 865 save percentage they're getting no goaltending maybe that's kind of got something to do with it but when it's just how their skaters play everybody needed to play with pace tonight and i just think little bit of an adjustment period in the beginning is is what we saw from them after that very few complaints. Yeah. I mean, there's some sloppy plays. There's yeah. some turnovers. There's stuff you want to clean up, but Base Carolina's marks. better. And that's, I mean, it's probably shouldn't be a shock to anybody yeah. that a team coached by Rod Brendamore <laughs> is excellent defensively and wins every faceoff. I, at one point, I see Morgan Frost is like three uh, three for yeah. 10 on draws. I th- he, he finished under, I think, like 30% tonight. He kind of got beat up a little bit there. But they dominated in the faceoff circle. And when you're up against a team that their whole game is possession. It makes sense that they start plays with the puck. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you saw it on that first goal, like that, right off a of faceoff. And that was a goal by um, Easton there. But no, nah, that third period was absolutely wild. I mean, we had so many opportunities and Anderson was standing on his freaking head. I think it was yelling like, why is he looking like bro Dora here tonight? <laughs> it was so frustrating, but no, those are like those, again, those are ex- type of opportunities there for flyers to learn from. I'm sure they'll be looking at the tape see what they can do better but i mean they were so close to a freaking goal there they had yeah. patrick that's that's for sure man the, yeah the the four check is absolutely no joke uh the it's hearing hearing what john tortorella says he wants out of his team it really looks as if the blueprint is Carolina. Now, I'm sure every team would like to have the puck two-thirds of the game. Like, that's, oh, yeah, we just want to be the best. But, (laughs) yeah, I'm sure that's the goal of every team. But, really, you you see a lot of other teams and their style of play. Like, Mm -hmm. Vegas doesn't do what Carolina does. It's it's a little bit different. But when he talks about, when Tortorella talks about wanting the Flyers to be 
a pressure team. Uh, I just look at how they have had success thus far this season, and it's a lot to do with the Flyers' forecheck and those second-wave opportunities where even if you know the opponent gets the puck out of their own corner, the Flyers meet them in the circle. Yep. And if they don't get them there, they meet them in the neutral zone. And... My God, Carolina. Uh, we've talked about this team. They've been playing the same way for a while. This isn't a surprise, but when you see them do it up close and do it to a team that, you know, through these first this first month of the season, it's not like, well, of course they killed them. The Flyers suck. Like, we actually think this team can play a little yeah. bit. Like, you see them just do that to you where Flyers are trying to break out. Can't. Flyers trying to make things happen in the neutral zone. Can't. Flyers trying to take advantage of second chance opportunities on offense. Yeah, they're not there. Carolina yeah. already has the puck and they're going the other way. <laughs> like, it's like it's, that, it's a real learning experience for this team, and I think it's a great blueprint for what they're going to be. And the hope is the Flyers acquire a bit more of that high-end talent so they're not just, yeah, we have to get 40 shots on goal. Because that's what Carolina's problem has been, I think, in the playoffs. Um, while, yeah, just give yourself the most opportunities, you'll probably win. Yeah, We see in the playoffs, sometimes you just need a guy to take over. And they haven't really had that guy. That's no point. And the Flyers are hoping to get one of them, or more than one of them. But this is the blueprint for a team that's like, we're going to build on the depth. We're going to be young and fast and pressure. It's hard to argue with this formula. When you watch Carolina up close, it's like, how do they lose? Yeah. How do they ever lose? They always have the puck. Yeah, and we'll, we'll, possibly the Flyers have that guy in the pipeline. We'll talk about our Flyers process update here today. Uh, but no, that, that right there is a crucial part, Bill. This is why I'm all in on this plan, because I feel when you're trying to create something, you need to find that identity. You see Carolina and their identity. You know what they are. Exactly. And I want Philly to, to be the same exact way. And I think we're heading in that right direction. Obviously, the PC to fall in play, but the, 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 the structures being built within these first two years of Tortorella being here in Philadelphia. And, I, and obviously, that fits Philly very, very well. And the, and the way hockey's kind of evolving as well. You obviously still need skill. You still need speed. But, I mean, that physicality is huge. You see with Carolina. And I think so many, what has really, I don't know, thrown me, but it's been surprising to see how many people are like, damn, that was that was a fun game. Yeah. And this team, this team is actually exciting to watch. Yeah. And guess what? They're going to be right back home again on Wednesday when they take on Buffalo. If maybe you want to experience this fun up close, you can do it with Game Time. Listen, buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Game Time is the place for last minute ticket deals. It's it's just a couple of days away. You're like, okay, this team's kind of fun. Let me give them a look. Open yes. up that game time app, click the uh, click the flash deals, see what's available for this upcoming game, and you will not be disappointed. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And more includes hockey, obviously. Uh, the game time guarantee means you'll get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less. Game time will credit you 110% of the difference. That's how confident they are that they have the best deals around. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. 
Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Best prices guaranteed. And that's, man, it's very refreshing. You know, JP, I haven't been doing this show with you for six, seven years as I had with Charlie. (laughs) Uh, But it's it's not often you can come into the post game and it's like, yeah, lost in the last couple of minutes, at home, kind of a bummer. And everyone's like, yeah, but if you watched, that was a hell of a game. And it yeah. was it was really like the back and forth of that third period was a good time. Mm-hmm. And I guess uh, to start off with some of the uh, more in-depth analysis, got to go to Morgan Frost back in the lineup tonight. Yes, I mentioned sir. it earlier, six straight as a healthy scratch. And it, he just became the odd man out and John Tortorella said all the right things coming into the game tonight like listen it's not as if he was benched it's not as like he was bad it was just there was other guys playing better and we wanted to get them the ice time he's acknowledged maybe he could have given him a look sooner but the team was playing so well he wasn't sure about breaking the lines up he does tonight, sits Ryan Paling, so he breaks up that fourth line, which we wondered if he'd ever be all that interested in doing. He did yeah. it. Scott Lawton, now the fourth line center, and then we see Morgan Frost draw back into the lineup. Um, the faceoffs are one thing. Carolina, very good faceoff team. Yeah. Morgan Frost still has a way to go, but... I really liked what I saw out of the kid tonight, uh, especially on the power play. Now, the power play had a bunch of opportunities. Not all of them were... Uh, we're all that exciting. I know. Uh, but I think they did get a little bit of a rhythm going as the game went on. And I really liked what Morgan Frost uh, brought to the action, especially on the power play. He set up really some is. he set up For some real. good scoring chances at even strength as well. But this is a team that struggles to carry the puck in on the power play. He did that a few times, created some opportunities and I, it's oh yeah well he had a lot of almosts listen if Konechny scores on one of them it's like oh, all right well Morgan Frost got an assist if Farabee scores on one of them it's like well Morgan Frost got two assists like Forster yeah, uh, yeah Forster had an opportunity I really thought he played a very strong game tonight yeah, yeah I mean it was interesting because you know we talked with, with Charlie um after after the wild game and we're thinking to ourselves like well when are we ever going to see Frost yeah. back on because these guys are just performing so well. I did like seeing him in there because Frosty to me has potential. I don't. I still don't know exactly what we have in Frosty, but I want to keep going with him. And this was like the perfect opportunity because of what you mentioned, his ability to bring the puck into the zone. He, he looks like a vet out there when he does it. It took him a little bit to get acclimated. I feel like he, you know, maybe he just had a little bit of those jitters. It's been a while, you know, maybe once you yeah, show I definitely a bit. thought he had the pace and energy early, yeah. but it was like. Relax and make a play. It was a lot of that, like maybe knock the rust off, maybe thinking too hard or wanting to impress. Like, I need to score three goals on this shot. Like, well, you can't. Like, it's a (laughs) shot. It's your first shift. You cannot score three goals. Just calm down. I think he definitely at least earned himself a uh, further look uh, to, to stay in the lineup a little bit longer. Even more important besides that, obviously, I thought him. he looked solid, obviously, in his first game back. That line looks solid, but with that, him with him starting, we got the fourth line of uh, Scott Lawton with uh, Delorier as well um, at Hathaway, and they had probably one of the best shifts of the night. 
And that led to the first goal. The fourth line's first goal, of <laughs> course, finding it's been a talking point for a couple of days now, and, and they hadn't got on the board yet. And John Tortorella said, listen, we're tracking scoring chances. That fourth line, they're making things happen. But they're just not able to put one away. So of huge, course, man. so of course, tonight in the first period, the fourth line gets one. And listen, Scott Lawton, yeah, was a contributor on that line, but it was really the two guys who've been there all year. Uh, Hathaway eventually gets it going, but Nick Deloria starts it off with a hit down in the defensive end, comes all the way back up, makes a nice play in the neutral zone, and then he gets the puck to Hathaway, who puts it in on a second chance and. Look at that. They're on the board. The fourth line looks strong again. It's what I like to call the Lots effect. <laughs> it really... Dude, I would... It keeps you calm, collective. I know they like the element that Ryan Palin brings. Right. Uh, he can kill penalties. He's fast. They're happy with the, uh, with the speed he brought. They don't necessarily want... They're young prospects on the fourth line. That's why Morgan Frost wasn't able to like get into the lineup in that role. They're sure. waiting for something else to happen, and uh, it does... But I just like the way the team looks right now. And if there's anyone who's expendable, it's Ryan Paling. You kind of know what this guy is. I don't think he needs to be sent to the minors or waived right. or anything. But it's just like I would rather Morgan Frost be in the lineup and Scott Lawton play on the fourth line than what we've got leading up to this. Dude, do we have forward depth? It really looks like it. We're not playing 7D? Listen, it, no, <laughs> it, it really looks as if this team has forward depth. There's a couple of guys down on the Phantoms who could easily step up and True. at least be acceptable. Like, they'd be above replacement level, mm -hmm. I guess. They'd be okay players on, like, at least the fourth line, if not in the top nine. But uh, the team definitely has forward depth, and I think we've Huge, seen that man. throughout the year. It's been a different line in a lot of games, and that's how they've impressed us thus far. It's with the depth that they've shown us. Absolutely. And one other player I do want, we obviously have to talk about Carter, man. Carter Hart <laughs> standing on his head. And it's interesting because Urson got killed on Saturday, yeah. both on the ice and, you know, on social media. Everyone's like, oh, that's, that's why I don't put Urson out there and all that stuff. But I, I thought defensively the structure was not as clean as it was possibly tonight. But also... In that third period, man, Carter Hart made some huge saves after huge saves, which I'm not sure Ersing would have been, been able to make at this point in the season. No, I think um, it was in Meltzer's piece, Bill Meltzer's piece either yesterday or today, but he just talked about getting Sam Erson in, and it was like, just kind of got to get him some time, and I think that yeah. was the point of Saturday, and the Ducks do stink. So it was like, well, give him, and, you know, that worked. <laughs> but it's more about, like, they have four games this week. They have four games in six days. He's going to have to play, and you probably, like, if you have to play him two to three times, or, you know, one to two times this week, you probably want to, like, already have him not knocking the rust off. And I do think uh, Saturday was about as much of that as it was, like, that game. Like, okay. uh, we, got a, we got a hell of a schedule coming up, and it's going to start getting more condensed once we get into November, December. Urson's going to have to play, get him some time. They did on Saturday. I think it'll pay off. But, yeah, Carter yeah. Hart was – it's, like, for the people who are – well, you know, losses are wins. It's all about the rebuild, the draft pick, lottery, all that. I understand, and I don't disagree. But when I see a third period like this one, I'm like, oh, you couldn't have got Carter the win. Like, 200th career start. Uh, it would have been cool the way he played in the third period to not give up that, you know, the, the go-ahead goal. It yeah. would, like, just for him, 
to get the win. Like, yeah, I don't really care if they lose. It's probably for the best overall. I get it. They need another top five pick. But ah, I really wanted it for him because he deserved it. Well, no, the funny part is we're watching, uh, I was in the third period. They put up this, the stats of the the, all, the all-time starts for goalkeepers. It's unbelievable. Goal tenders, I'm sorry. Yeah. And, and Flyers history. And we're just laughing because Steve Mason's number three behind Hextall. It's and wild. Yeah, it's like the, the Flyers have just never had a goalie. Like Steve Mason, the guy who was all right in the mid-2010s. Yeah. yeah, he's third on the franchise list. Like, yeah, four four seasons, I think. Like, how long was he even here? Yeah, it was, it was like four or five it, years. I think it was four years and one of them. Uh, we made, I think we made, did we make the playoffs that one year with with uh, when they made it in Rangers? fourteen and sixteen right. with him. Uh, he comes over, yeah, at the end of the lockout shortened twenty thirteen oh, yeah. season, uh, and then he has thirteen, fourteen, fourteen, fifty, yeah, like four full seasons and uh, the one like seven, you know, seven game season where he played just at the end after they uh, after they brought him over and then really, like, all right, seven games. That's enough. Briz, you're bought out. Like Mellerman says it perfectly. That was a sobering list. <laughs> it really like, man, when we complain about goalies, it's like, yeah, as is Carter Hart going to get traded? Is he going to be the guy? It's like, he already is the guy. He's already near the top of this list. He's probably one of the five best goalies. The flyers have already had. And He's nowhere near his prime yet. Like, probably getting there right now, but the best probably yet to come with Carter Hart, and he's already, like, top four. And that's why this rebuild is so important. you got to put this team to follow the trajectory of Carter Hart in his career, man. you got to put that good team, because how long have we been waiting for a starting goalie in this city? And we have him, and the product on the ice, well, it's not been the best. There's just always that looming... Will the hockey Canada? And at this point, I have to imagine there will never be any sort of resolution on the Hockey Canada investigation, at least in terms right. of us finding out what the hell happened, any suspensions. Listen, it could come out. It'll probably, since I said it's never going to happen, as soon as we're off the air, we'll find something out. But like at this point, you kind of just have to move forward as if Carter Hart's going to be here and he's going to be here long term because. Damn, he's really good when he's on. Darn good, man. Darn good. Scott, wait, wait. So, all right, that's an interesting one. Didn't like Owen Tippett. I mean, it was that tough? Was that tough back shot where you? Um, that's. I did. I saw someone, and maybe this is the same person because I didn't write down the name, but I actually made a note of this. I wanted to bring it up to Charlie about okay. Owen Tippett playing the left wing, and he just. He seems to have the puck so often, and he's right. like bringing the puck in on that left side. And his best asset, other, like he's a great skater and everything, and he's big, physical. His best asset is a shot. He's got a great shot. He's great. Goal and when too. he's bringing in, oh yeah, definitely. But when he's bringing the puck in on that left side on his backhand, you're especially against a team like Carolina where it's like, I just need a little bit of time and space maybe to cut to the middle. Yeah, it ain't going to be there. Like, there won't be any. You're kind of neutralizing his best weapon. And, yeah, Scott, that's definitely something I wanted to – it's definitely something I want to bring up with Charlie as well. 
He played a strong game. He's looked really he good. Uh, scored the goal, second goal in three games. You know, has been lighting up, lighting it up in terms of shots and yeah. shot attempts. Came into the game with 61 total shot attempts. I think 31 shots on goal before tonight. He's been strong. It's just if we could get him on his strong side, he'd look better. And there's just such a log jam on right wing. I know. This situation probably doesn't resolve itself entirely. Until they trade Cam Atkinson. And listen, I'm with you. <laughs> Move Cam Atkinson as soon as possible. Not because he's not a good player, but because he just doesn't fit into the future. And he looks really good right now. I bet you could get something for him. Teams aren't looking to take on anything right now. We're going to have to wait it out. Injuries and all that And stuff. I just think it's good. It's not great for the team right now on the ice for Owen Tippett to be playing the left side. Like, that's... We're, we're hindering one of our better offensive players, but maybe it's another good learning opportunity. Yeah. Listen, maybe a whole bunch of dudes when this team's good again in a couple of years, like when they're actually competing for the playoffs and down the line, maybe a Stanley Cup. What if everyone's right-handed then too? Like we'll have <laughs> no one who can play the left. Maybe this is a good learning opportunity for him in that spot. But I agree with you. Like, Three, four times tonight, he's coming in down the left side, and I'm like, he can't pull the trigger, and they no. need him to. Because no. there's no – it's one thing, like, okay, let's shoot for a rebound. Let's maybe try to cut to the middle. Yeah, It ain't there against Carolina. Like, mm -hmm. those opportunities won't present themselves. And we saw how he scored his goal. It's on the other side. Well, Coots also set that up perfectly Oh, just for with a – I mean – it's Sean. Like that it's was the most trademark. couturier play we've yeah. maybe seen yet out of him. Just another sign he's back and he's good. And uh, speaking of joining us now, the Philadelphia's number one beat reporter, Charlie O'Connor. What's up, Chuck? I can't hear him again. All right, we'll figure it out, Charlie. Um, yeah, but I, I would. The first thing I do when I ask him is about Owen Tippett playing yeah. his left side because I saw it in his uh, I saw it in his mentions tonight, and then the uh, Scott's comment really brought it up. Can we trade Owen? I'm tired of having him no finish. No, they cannot trade Owen Tippett yet. He's been one of their best players. He'll finish plenty. He scored yeah. 27 goals last year. Uh, they will get this figured out. I do also like him playing with Sean and Cam because, like, that's just great two players to play with on a long line. And it's it is help him as well. It is. I think term. he just brings a little bit of an extra dynamic element. Uh, Cam Atkinson, fast, not the biggest, but physical. Sean Couture, like, that is just a good. That is a tough line to. That is a tough line to handle physically, especially like for a team. I don't. I don't think it's surprising. Tonight against Carolina, one of the faster breakout teams, one of the more physical teams, just in terms of the space they don't allow you, that their line looks so strong tonight. Cam Atkinson was right on the doorstep a few times. Tippett had a bunch of chances. Not a surprise that they were this good. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I do, listen, I hope that Flyers fans are not pinning the Claude Giroux trade on Owen Tippett as well, because I really feel like Owen Tippett has, has done what he needs to do. It was a tough situation in Florida. They obviously were ready to win. He needs some further developing, and he's been getting that here in Philly, and he's done everything towards his ass of him. He's playing on the left side. <laughs> That's, yeah, he just keeps stepping up and looking like one of their stronger players, and it's, 
I want to see him score 10 goals. You know, like uh, we thought coming into this season, he had an outside chance at 40 when Charlie interviewed Jim Jackson. He was like, I think Owen's going to put in 40. And listen, one great week, like two, two goal games, and he's on pace for 40, you know? All right, it looks as if we have Charlie O'Connor once again. Uh, Charlie, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Just uh, if we can turn yeah. him up a little bit, I, I think we can hear him. All right, Charlie. Um, I just got this question. I saw it in your mentions tonight. We just saw it now in our comments. Um, Owen Tippett on the left side. He seems to have the puck a lot, carries it a lot, but he's on his backhand. And that kind of neutralizes his best weapon. What do you think about moving him back over to the right? And is there an opportunity to do it in this lineup? I mean, they they could certainly move him back over to the right if they wanted to. They have the ability to change the lineup in whatever way they want to change the lineup. So they could. I guess I'm not seeing the degree of struggling as the person who, if it's the same person, I guess it's someone who, who really thinks that they hate the tippet on the left side thing. Yeah, at times it's awkward and it's going to be a process a bit, but I, I don't see a guy who looks completely uncomfortable there. Like to me, that line is creating a lot of chances. Tippett's getting more and more involved as the, uh, as the season progresses. Obviously he scored tonight, even if, to be honest, Frederick Anderson should have stopped that shot. You know, that was that was more of a, uh, you know, you deserve a goal for all the good work you've been doing, not because that was necessarily a sniper's goal. But, hey, Owen Tippett ain't complaining. Uh, look, would Tippett be more comfortable on the right side? Probably. Yeah, I mean, it's his natural side. He's probably just more used to it. That said, I don't think it's been a disaster with him on the left. And somebody's got to be on the left. Like, the fact of the matter is, is they have way too many right, like natural right wingers. They have him. They have Atkinson. They have Konechny. They have Brink. They have Forrester. Like, a couple guys are going to have to play the left side if this is going to work. And this isn't even just a, you know, a temporary problem. Like, yeah, Cam Atkinson, probably not going to be part of the future. But Bobby Brink sure looks like he's going to be part of the future. Travis Konechny, if this team is is better than we think now, there's a better chance that he might ultimately get re-signed. Tyson Forrester, they want to be part of the future. Like, there's an Owen Tippett. I think Owen Tippett's very much part of the future. So some of these guys are going to have to learn how to play their offside, and they're going to have to learn over time, and they're going to have to learn by practicing it. And, you know, maybe for Owen Tippett there's going to be a bit of an adjustment period to playing on the left but I think it's it's in it's in both his best interest and the team's best interest to, to to give him a long look over there to see if he can make it work and he can be just as good on the left side over time as he is on the right all right Charlie uh I guess the big story tonight at least going into the game Morgan Frost back in the lineup uh, draws back in. They break up the fourth line, the uh, PhD line, move Lawton to line four and Morgan Frost back in the uh, back in the top six. What did you think he looked like tonight in his first action in, I don't know, a month or whatever it's been? Uh, it's been about, I think, about two, two weeks. weeks. I think yeah. the last game he... Yeah, maybe a little bit more than two weeks. I think the last game he played, I'm, I'm working on an article on this. It'll probably be the, the bulk of my game story, or not game story, but story coming after the game. Uh, I think the last game he played was October 14th. So we're coming up on three weeks, not quite three weeks. I thought he started out, he looked a bit rusty, which is to be un, to be expected, I would say. I thought he was legitimately noticeable in a good way in the third period. I, I legitimately thought that this is a guy who seemed to be getting his feet back under him as the game progressed, which again, it makes perfect sense. 
he missed almost three weeks. He was going to be a little rusty. But I really like some of the plays he made. He made one play that for a split second, it looked like it might turn into a breakaway. He had a nice little little deflection up top uh, at the top of the point. And for a second, you're like, oh, is he about to go on a uh, go on a break and maybe maybe score the uh, the game winning goal here? Buck bounced in the wrong direction. And he ended up just getting a clear. But no, I, I thought for the most part, Frost had a pretty solid game, got better as a progress. I think he certainly earned you know, another start, although I think that was always the plan. I don't think the plan was ever to, you know, just have him in for uh, for one game and then pull him back out. Like, look, Ryan Paling might be the same age as Morgan Frost, but Morgan Frost has a much better chance of being a significant contributor to the next great Flyers team than Ryan Paling does. Like, they're giving Ryan Paling a shot. Ryan Paling brings speed to the lineup, and that's great. I don't think that Ryan Paling is going to be if he's on the next great flyers team he's going to be a fourth liner on the next great flyers team if morgan frost is on the next great flyers team morgan frost is going to be a 50 to 60 point scorer on the next great flyers team so it, it behooves the flyers to to do what they can to prioritize someone like morgan frost over someone like ryan paling yeah i agree i, I really liked what i saw out of frost i thought early on he had the energy like he definitely heard towards say i need him to play with pace uh but maybe yeah. just you know knocking that rush rust off and i think it was your question on the uh video you posted today about morgan frost when you talked to john tortorella in the press conference like you know are you what sort of leeway and uh, like what sort of yeah. leash are you going to give morgan frost and he he recognized like I'm cognizant of him not having played in, you know, six games. So he's not going to be as sharp right away as the rest of the guys. You said you, uh, you believe he earned another start. That's you. It's probably the plan. I would think so. If you're going to bring him in just for one game and then immediately bench him, then what are we actually doing here? Like, he needs a run. He needs some runway. I thought in the third period, I know they didn't score on the power play. It was a major problem tonight. They went over five. But I did think Frost helped on entries. I thought actually the problem this time was not – it wasn't getting into the zone, which has been a major problem for them most of the season. I thought the problem tonight was they would get into the zone and they didn't know what to do with it once they were in there. But, hey, baby steps. If Frost can help them get into the zone a little bit more then they can focus on what they should actually do once they're in there if they can't get in the zone in the first place then there's nothing they could do period so no to me frost got has to stay in the lineup for at least another game or two just to see what he can do once he shakes the rust off and i thought in the third period you saw him shake the rust off absolutely charlie this is jp over here uh wanted to talk about carter hey, hart and just the goal goaltending position in general carter was absolutely incredible lost the, the duel with frederick anderson unfortunately but you look at the next couple games here, you got Buffalo twice, L.A. and the L.A. Kings, and then San Jose. Obviously, a lot of fans a little upset over Sam Merson. What could you see uh, towards planning with the goaltending position here in the next four games? Well, I think the it's pretty straightforward in my mind because I don't think the Flyers, and I think they're right to do this, I don't think there's any need to start Carter Hart in a back-to-back. -back. And the good thing about the next two weeks for the Flyers is that they have a back-to-back -back this Friday and this Saturday. And then they have a back-to-back -back next Friday and next Saturday. So there's two starts for Arison right there in my mind. 
the rest of the games, I'd probably give to Hart. He's playing very well. I thought tonight, you know, yeah, he didn't get the win, but I thought he had a really strong game. I thought he had that amazing that was like a toe save on uh, a Natchez in the third period. Fantastic stop. I thought Hart played well. And and again, like Carolina is a good team. These are good teams. The Flyers have been playing for the most part. So, yeah, I mean, Hart deserves deserves the net. I wouldn't want Hart playing back to backs and. The, they're they're lucky, I guess you could say, that the schedule naturally gives you two opportunities in the next two weeks to get Arison games. I wrote an article after Saturday's game saying that, look, Arison probably is going to have to learn how to be a backup goalie because he's used to, in his entire hockey career pretty much, being the guy on whatever team he's on. You know, if he has a bad game, two nights later, he's right back out there and he's he's shaking it off. He, he's, he can stay into a rhythm because he's playing regularly. Now... He's got to get used to playing a different type of, of game, really, when you're only playing once a week. I mean, hell, at the beginning of the year, he he was out, I think, for, I think it was like something like 18, 19 days between starts. Now, that's not ideal for anybody, but that's the life of a backup goalie. You're going to have long stretches where you don't play, and I think Arison is is still trying to adapt to, to that fact and still trying to learn how to stay sharp even though he's not playing on a regular basis. I think he'll figure it out. And I think, again, like this is the kind of stuff that this year is for. It's for the Flyers to fit. Like, same thing with Owen Tippett on the left side. You know what? It helps the Flyers in the long term to get one of these right-handed shooting guys to learn how to play his offside. Because if this is going to work, if this guy's going to be a part of this, they're going to have to maneuver some things to make sure all these natural right-wingers can stay on the team. With Sam Harrison, hey, if Carter Hart's a part of this long term, if it turns out that he wasn't involved in Hockey Canada, if they sign him to a long term deal, Sam Harrison's probably going to be just a backup, probably. And if that's the case, he has the up- upside to be a really good backup. So let him try to figure out now when the games, I hate to say they don't matter, but look, everybody knows the Flyers aren't winning the cup this year. But what this season allows them to do is it allows guys like Harrison to learn how to deal with being a backup. It how it lets guys like Tippett learn how to play on the left side. Like these are the types of growing pains that this team, given the situation they're in, they should be working through. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I just have to acknowledge uh, my guy, Scott Taylor here saying they need to put Brink behind the net on the power play. You're talking my language, Scott, you know, when the greatest hockey player ever, his office is literally that spot. I don't know. It's probably pretty good place to generate offense from. Longtime listeners know this has been a pet peeve of mine for years, uh, but I'm happy someone else sees it. Charlie, I just want to talk about the uh, the Hurricanes, and you know, they're. I do think, yeah, the Flyers' power play, like they just don't have enough high end pieces. They could definitely have a better setup. They could move the puck faster. Blah blah blah. We know all the issues with them, but when I see what the offense looked like tonight, I just think. There's no time and space out there against the Carolina Hurricanes. Like, there's just absolutely none. And when I hear John Tortorella talk about how he wants the team to play with pace, he wants the Flyers to be a pressure team, this is the blueprint. Like, I, I talked yeah. about this with JP earlier. Like, are the Carolina Hurricanes the blueprint for how the Flyers want to play, do you think? I think in some ways, yeah. I, I when I had my interview with uh, with Keith Jones over the summer, he brought up Carolina specifically in the sense of how they're built 
around their defense. You know, at at, a, at their core, they have been a team. I mean, look, they just spent they basically just splurged on Dimitri, Dimitri Orlov this offseason because they could, because they had cap space and why not? Let's get another top four defenseman. But, you know, guys like Jacob Slavin, guys like Brett Pesci, you know, they had Dougie Hamilton for a really long time. They they are a team that the they can play the way they play with their super aggressive forecheck with their pressure style hockey because they have a great defense core. And I think the Flyers do want to emulate them in that sense. Now, I think the Flyers ideally would like to, and I'm sure Caroline ideally would like to have this as well. They would like to have one or two true game breakers up front that Carolina doesn't necessarily have. You know, I really like Sebastian Ajo and I really like Sveshnikov. Obviously, he's he's coming back from uh, you know from the injury at the end of last season. He's not quite at 100% yet, I would say, maybe just in terms of conditioning, although he did have a really nice pass on their first goal. Um, I don't know if they have that top-tier guy. Those are all really good players. I don't think any of those are superstars, even Sveshnikov. He might have that upside. He's not there yet. I think the Flyers ideally would love to not have to lean on kind of a by committee approach, which is the way Carolina kind of has to do it. They'd love it if Mitch Koff is one of the top five or six forwards in the NHL when he hits his prime or Cutter Gauthier is a yearly 50 goal score. Like that would be ideal. And then if you have that and then also have a really good back end, then suddenly you're cooking with gas. So in a sense, yeah, you know, I think they want to, they want to have a strong back end the same way Carolina does. I think they like the idea of playing a pressure oriented game. Number one, because I think that just appeals to them. Number two, because I think they realize that the fans would love that and that will that'll play in Philadelphia having a kind of a relentless attacking team but I do think that they would like to avoid the uh, the pitfall that Carolina has fallen into the last few years in the playoffs where they just don't have that one go-to offensive weapon who can turn a game on by himself yeah and uh, having that goaltender uh, might be might be a bit of an upgrade as well, Carter Hart, especially the way he played tonight. Uh, Charlie, I like it's crazy how many people said this game was fun tonight, and I was just thinking like maybe there's maybe there's way more fun hockey ahead for uh, for all of us. Um, Tony D, any uh, <laughs> what did you think of what did you think of Tony D in his return tonight, my friend? It was uh, he was a little yappy, but that's just him. Uh, there was a few altercations, but nothing really came of it. Did anyone? Was there anything special with Tony D tonight? Yeah, I, I missed it, but after the first after the first period, Jim Jackson came up to me in the press box and said that Tony did like a little semi-cheap shot on Joel Farabee and Joel Farabee kind of was like, what the hell, dude? I kind of like, I thought we were buds. What the hell? Um, but that's just Tony D'Angelo. You know, I, I was a little surprised that he didn't score a goal just because it seemed like something that would piss off Flyers fans. And the Flyers are very good at having things happen to them that pisses off Flyers fans. So a little surprised at that. But look, Tony D'Angelo is Tony D'Angelo. He's, he's a good offensive defenseman who's good with the puck, who isn't the greatest defensively. And that's why he's on the third pair for Carolina, because while he has talent, he's a limited guy in terms of, in, in terms of what he has to, to offer. And there's a reason why Carolina is using him on the third pair. Yeah, yeah, it was absolutely hilarious watching that, that altercation there. Um, would you, would you, as we got a comment here as well, I thought Sean Walker looked pretty solid as well. What have you been thinking about Sean Walker as well, Charlie? Yeah. 
I think we're kind of in a spot right now with Sean Walker where the expectation is that he's going to be solid. Like this isn't a guy who is going to be a game changer back there. This isn't a guy who who necessarily is going to shock the world with flashy plays. But it's pretty clear that he's a perfectly solid second pair of right-handed shooting defenseman. And there are a ton of teams in the NHL that would love a solid second pair of right-handed shooting defenseman. So I think Walker is is falling into a rhythm right now where you just expect him to be fine every night. And there's absolutely no problem with that whatsoever. Like the Flyers should not be should not be complaining about Sean Walker. I don't watch these games and think to myself, oh my God, Sean Walker is amazing. Because I don't think he is. But I think he's good, and I think he's playing good. Like, I, it, I will probably not come away from games and be like, I need to write an observation on Sean Walker because, man, he had an amazing game. Like, that's just not him. But he's doing his job, and he's doing it well. Charlie, I, uh, I just expected, like, after tonight's performance in the face-off circle to look at NHL.com and be like, oh, yeah, Carolina, they're 57%. That makes sense. Rod Brendamore is their coach. They're a great possession team. Of course, they win a ton of face-offs. Not the case. They're middle of the road. They're 51%. Flyers are near the bottom at uh, at 47 but absolutely freaking dominated in the face-off circle tonight. Was uh, anything made of that by, by Torts and company? No, it wasn't really brought up. Look, faceoffs are important. They were important tonight. I think especially they were important on special teams because it forced the Flyers to, you know, number one, they gave up the one goal off the faceoff. So there you go. There's a goal coming off a faceoff. And then number two, they, uh, you know, when you're losing faceoffs on the power play, you have to go all the way back down the ice. You're not starting out in the offensive zone. You have to move your way back up, which takes away valuable time. So, they were important tonight because you can't be only getting 30% of faceoffs and not expected to have some sort of impact. That said, I don't think they lost this game because of faceoffs. I think if you're going to point to one thing that was the primary reason why they lost this game, it was because they went over five on the power play and the Canes went one for one. Like to me, that's, that's the stat. If you're going to point to a stat as, as an expl- explanation as to why they lost it's special teams, that's where they lost this game. But that being said, they had multiple chances in the third period to win this game on their own, even despite the fact that they didn't score on the power play. They just didn't finish on their chances, and Carolina finished on their one chance that was really good. Yeah, I just I thought it was um, I thought it was interesting because I look at the number and it's like seventy one to twenty nine for the uh, for the faceoff total. And you asked about opportunities for uh, for Morgan Frost prior to the game and whether he was definitely a center or more of a wing, if he was going to get a chance either way. Pretty sure that was your question. Uh, no, but, that was. I think that was. I think it was Adam Kimmelman. That, that wasn't been me. the question before you. Okay, either way, yeah. uh, Torts was pretty. Uh, pretty steady in his answer. Like he's a center. And when I see a dude come in and go, whatever he was like three for 20 tonight, um, I go, Ooh, maybe he's a little overmatched in the circle. Could that be a mark against him? But if it wasn't brought up, well, it's just something to monitor later. Charlie, the flyers finish the, uh, they finish the month now at a hockey 500 they started with that really nice three and one record now i believe they're four four and one not the greatest but how would you summarize the uh, the first month of the new era of orange on the ice i think the best way i would summarize it is that this is a really hard-working team it's 
it's not a talented team. It's not super talented. They don't have high-end guys. They have depth, but they don't have game breakers at this point. But, man, they work hard. And that's how they can hang with teams like Carolina, with teams like Vegas, with teams like Dallas. The problem is, is that because they don't have the high-end talent, that's why they lose, ultimately, to teams like Vegas and teams like Dallas and teams like Carolina. Because they just don't have that little extra push, those one or two guys that can turn a game. They don't have them. And, and that's why they're not going to win as many games as I'm sure fans, well, the fans, at least the fans that don't want them to tank, the fans want them to win. But I think these last few games kind of maybe push some fans back to reality. Like, this is not going to be a pushover team. This is not going to be a team that is going to go out there and get skunked every night. They're going to work real hard, and if they don't work hard, John Torrell is going to bench people. That's just the way it is. But this also, in my mind, this isn't a team that's going to be a dark horse playoff contender. Like I don't, they're not going to make the playoffs. So I, it'd be cool if they did. It would make our show a lot more interesting if they were in the mix for a playoff spot. And hell, maybe they'll surprise me. But in my mind, like what we've seen over these last few games, it just confirms that yeah, they're not at that level yet. And and John Tortorella straight up said that in his post game press conference. He, and I I actually tweeted this out. He said, "I'm not going to stand up up here all year long and talk about moral victories, but I've got to goddamn remember where we are as far as we are in the organization and the process we're at. I'm certainly not going to boo the team. I'm going to try to help them. Like he knows." that this team is probably not making the playoffs. And some of the more optimistic fans could try to convince themselves that they're going to, and that's great. That's the best part about being a fan. But John Tortorella is not talking to the media as if he's describing a team that is going to make the playoffs. He's talking to the media as if he's describing a team that is making progress, that is improving, but is still a ways away from being a real contender. Yeah, that was my, like, the other day I tweeted, I can't remember which game it was after, but one of the ones they look good in, and I was just like, at what point do we just have to acknowledge that this team is way better than we thought? And someone like, oh, it's like it's not even Thanksgiving yet. It's still the first month. And it's like, I'm not saying they're making the playoffs. <laughs> I'm just saying this isn't a bottom five team, at least to this point. They've shown me no signs. And, like, when they play pretty much even, and as you said, had a chance to beat the best possession team in hockey tonight. And granted, like five power plays to one, like that's going to make the, that's going to make the shot, like the raw shot totals and things look more even, but like after the first couple of minutes and other than like the very end, the last four or so, they looked just as good as Carolina for a lot of this game. And those big moments in the game are what separates the good teams. But they're better than I thought. That's what I, like. That's my takeaway from the uh, from the first month is they're better than I thought. How much better? We'll find out over the next few weeks. But they're definitely better. Yeah, and so with that said as well, I kind of want to look at these next couple games because Flyers coming off of two straight losses, rough ones as well, blowout, and then obviously close one here tonight. Um, a couple games against some teams where they should be it should be a, a close game. What's the message? Does John Tortorella tell these guys, Charlie? Well, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they respond. You know, I don't think they they really played that bad against Anaheim. The score doesn't look good, but I thought for the most part they they honestly they outshot and outchanced them. Sam Harrison didn't have that great of a game, and they had some bad breakdowns. But I don't think the score was reflective of the quality of of their play for the vast majority of the game tonight. They played Carolina, a really good team, real tough. So it's not like they're, it's not like they might be losing more, but it's not like they're playing terribly. Like to, to me, the the only game they played so far this season that they really look like crap was Ottawa. 
even even the the Anaheim game, I'm not going to say they look like crap in that game. They the score looked like crap, but I don't think they I don't think they played terribly. I just think it was a lopsided score because that's what happens. Now, what happens over these next few games? It'll be interesting to see how the team responds to some adversity because this is the first time they're dealing with some adversity they've lost some games and and they're going these games are going to start piling up they go on a road trip next week they go to an, on a california road trip they have back-to-back games you know obviously going into this weekend and then next weekend so these games are going to start coming at them i think they're going to respond well because i think they're better than p i agree with you bill i think they're better than 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 maybe people anticipated than maybe we anticipated but i also don't think that they're so much better that they're going to rattle they're going to respond to this and rattle off four straight wins like they are a limited team with flaws but they work really really hard and they play they play according to a system that allows them to stay close with better teams. It's just that right now they don't have that extra oomph that allows them to beat those better teams on a regular basis. All right, Charlie, I just have uh, one more for you here, and I'm glad uh, Scott Taylor basically uh, co-hosting the show for us tonight. He just – something I made a note of and I wanted to ask you. To this point, I think the most disappointing guy to me might be Cam York. Uh, just hasn't been dynamic. It just hasn't been, it hasn't stood out to me. Scott says he's just not making plays. What, what are you seeing out of Cam York? Man, he's he's really ripping Cam York. We had three yeah. three straight anti-York comments right in a row pop up there. Fair enough. Look, yeah, they need more offense from York. I know the Flyers very much are pushing him to try to be more aggressive. What I will say is I don't think he's been bad. I think that first pair has, generally speaking, been good. And I do think there is something of an adjustment period for York because Sanheim, his partner, has been so aggressive. And you can't really have two players on, on, a, on the same pair who are both jumping into the play at every turn. Sanheim's being very aggressive, so York does have to hang back a little bit more than maybe he would ideally want to because he has to protect against the possibility of, hey, what if Sanheim loses control of the puck? I can't jump up there with him. So I I don't I'm not panicking. Let me put it that way. I'm not panicking about Cam York's slow offensive start. I do think that he probably has more to offer, but I don't think he's he's playing terribly. I, I think he had the the one game that he played poorly, I believe I, I it might have been Saturday's game was one there was one game recently where I didn't think he played well. And and Torts actually specifically pointed out that he was like I can't believe you're asking me about Cam York after that game because I think he's played well this season, but you're asking me after the one game he played like crap. I think York's been fine. Uh, could York be better? Sure. But but I don't think York is is deserving of, like when, when you were saying most disappointing player, I thought you were going to say Tyson Forrester. Because to me, like there's a guy who I do want to see more from offensively because his entire game is offense. That's what he's here for. Cam York is here to obviously produce points he's an offensively oriented defenseman but he's also here to deliver solid results in a first pair role against top tier competition and i think so far he's done that so could he get better yeah but i don't think he's been bad yeah i think forced like forster i want to see more out of but he's had close calls where i've been like all right tyson you're right there and york yeah i don't think he's been bad it's just i was hoping now He's got some experience. We would see next level York, and that's not what we've seen. But I'm not saying he's been horrible. Like, he's out on a first pair. He's not a first pair defenseman, I don't think. But he's been doing pretty well at that job. Uh, I'm, I, I, I'm good. I think, uh, I think the... 
Yeah, I, I think with York, the only thing that I will say I have been disappointed from him so far. But again, I kind of am disappointed with everyone on this. I, I would like to see him do more on the power play because I think they would like to see him do more on the power play. And so far, he really hasn't shown me anything to show me that like, yeah, this guy could be a power play one quarterback. I don't see that yet. Now, again, this goes back to what I was saying about Owen Tippett on the left side, about Sam Harrison using him to, to try to figure out how to be a backup goalie. Like, you have this entire season to find out whether Cam York shows enough flashes to make you think that he can be a QB1 on a power play. And if you get through this season and he, he never really shows that he can be that guy, well, that just adds another thing to your list of, okay, we need to get that guy, whether that's in the draft, whether now we need to maybe prioritize a more offensively oriented power play one type guy, or whether we have to maybe go out and trade for that guy two, three years down the road because York is not going to be that guy when, when the Flyers are, as they hope, ready to turn the corner and be a contender. But the power play has disappointed me, I would say. At five on five, I I have liked what I've seen. I haven't loved it, but I've liked it. And that's enough for me given his age and his experience. Uh, Charlie, did you uh, get a chance to say hi to Bryce Harper? He was the story of the night as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I can't say I was rushing around trying to shake Bryce Harper's hand. He was way down at the at ice level. I believe he was, uh, he was behind the boards. Um, but good for him. It's you know, I'm sure he would much rather be uh, be playing in a game. You know, obviously the World Series game is going on right now, so much rather have him in that game. But uh, but it's cool to see him uh, see him you know showing the flag for uh, you know for for the Phillies at a Flyers game, especially given the fact that the Flyers are you know not exactly the hottest ticket in town at the moment. Ah, it's going to be a lot harder, hotter, I think. Uh, he's he's basically our Taylor Swift. All right. Uh, <laughs> thanks a lot, Charlie. Appreciate thanks, you dropping Charlie. in for another edition of PHLY Flyers postgame. I will talk to you tomorrow for our live show at 345. Charlie, of course, Philadelphia's number one hockey beat reporter. I have to take a quick second to tell you about pals at shady rays listen you got to gear up for the season ahead with quality shades built to last our friends at shady rays have you covered with premium polarized shades and quick swap snow goggles that won't break the bank shady rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers an unrivaled product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn durable frames and world-class optics for all outdoor adventures shady rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost or stolen replacement. That's right. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. Wear Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after you purchase. And that's huge because, uh, gentlemen, I'm speaking to all of you out there. Listen, I am fairly good at remembering where I put things that are important to me. However... I often sleep in. My wife will go, oh, I'm just going to take these sunglasses off the table. It'll be fine. And then I never, ever see them again. Well, Shady Rays has you covered if you're anything like me with that lost or stolen replacement. If you don't love lost or broken replacement, I guess I could just say they were stolen by the person who I share my life with. Uh, if you don't love your Shady Rays, exchange for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop. Their team always has your back with personal and fast support. 
support. And listen, this is the part you definitely need to remember. Exclusively for our li- our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out an amazing deal for the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code PHLY for 50% off two-plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. That's code PHLY for 50% off two-plus pairs. Try for yourself the Shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people jp that was uh i was happy to hear charlie say things like oh yeah you know i I think cam york's been okay like i think he's been good i want to see a lot of these guys who have just kind of been okay like that's the bobby brinks and tyson forsters they're uh, even zamola i think a little bit extra to start this season like that's but the dudes who had strong seasons last year looking to build on them Morgan Frost, Cam York. I think that's what the next couple weeks is really about, is them establishing themselves as dudes who are not just like here taking up a space, but maybe factor into the future. No, I completely agree with you. And we are going to be able to see what they actually do have. They're going to have their bumps and bruises. We talk about with Cam York. And I, I agree with Charlie as well. I mean, obviously... When you're looking at Cam York, you see the offensive capabilities. You want to see him be able to produce on that power play, especially as that QB QB one, as he likes to call it. Uh, but I, with all these young guys, I, I'm, I'm not expecting perfect play. And there's obviously there, there's a lot of young kids on this team too. We have a good mesh of veteran players, but obviously, you know, not having Mark Stahl out there is, is huge as well, especially with that grouping at veteran leadership. Um, but I'm yeah, I'm definitely looking for more from Cam York as everyone else. Um, Igor Zamola played actually. I had a quietly solid game here tonight as well. He had some big big stops, big blocks as well. Quietly solid looks yeah. like it's his game. Yeah, like that's what you're gonna get you out like of that. Igor Zamola. He is the right guard. Like didn't hear his name. Outstanding, perfect, <laughs> literally. And Bobby Brink, obviously, we all know the tear he's been on. But I I, I love what we're seeing from these young kids. Obviously, mistakes happen, guys, which is you got to learn from them. That's the beauty of mistakes, and I, I'm excited to see these next couple of weeks for these boys. JP, these next couple of weeks, there's it's there's a fun mix of games in here, like back-to-backs against, uh, well, home-and-home home with Buffalo. Then they play the uh, – they have the Kings at home. They have the Kings away the following Saturday. You mix in the Sharks and Ducks in there, two horrible teams, uh, but it's part of a you know three-game West Coast road trip there. They see Carolina again. Vegas comes in. They have some really, really interesting matchups leading up to like yeah. – leading up to Thanksgiving pretty much. It's not – uh, yes, yeah, uh, they have the Sharks, they have the Ducks, but not an easy schedule. So I'm really looking forward to getting to evaluate this team against this level of competition. The start to this season, like, there was no just dipping your toes in. There, uh, they didn't get to ease into this year. It's been really, really tough teams all through the start, and yeah. I think that's going to continue, but... It's great for evaluating them, and it's a great learning experience like tonight was. Yeah, Bill, we know like the West Coast has always been tricky with this team as huh. well, especially as of late. So that's going to be a good test. I know the Ducks and the Sharks are who they are, but Ducks just got done beating us. You got to go out there playing late as well, traveling all the way out to the West Coast. You're far away from your family. It's not easy. I think it's going to be a great test, especially, you know, a bunch of young kids in L.A., well, it's going to be a fun one. Now, I always love, I love West Coast hockey because it's more on my schedule. Uh, I have no idea what our post game schedule is going to be like because the other people who work here, 
don't get to sleep till noon on those kinds of days. They have other things that they have to do. So we'll figure out what the post game schedule is for those upcoming flyers games. after dark. Uh, yeah, it's it's always I always enjoy the uh, the flyers after dark portion of the schedule with games that start at nine and ten. But we'll see what sort of uh, what sort of schedule we will be able to pull off. And uh, before we wrap this up, I gotta tell you about our friends over at FOCO because FOCO has the absolute best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. Whether you're looking for team apparel for the season ahead, overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, anything you need for game day, or maybe you need some accessories, toys, collectibles, or novelty items for your, uh, your man cave, your she shed, your podcast set, You've got to use FOCO for all your team gear needs. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in the description of this show. For non for all non-presale items, use promo code PHLY. That's promo code PHLY for 10% off FOCO. I bet we'll come up with something just as cool as the overalls eventually, nah. but it'll be tough. It's you're eating a snuggie was, for flyers after dark. Oh, <laughs> I could deal. I could deal with a snuggie. Like, you know, a younger me was like, who would want this? And now I look at it and go, I would love a blanket. Bill, I could it's wear. all about comfortability. I right? could, I would love, I would do, I would wear it for post game quite <laughs> honestly. Like as much as I want to promote my uh, GCW hoodie today, because it was announced the collective, April 4th and 6th will be right. 4th through the 6th will be right here. I'm a huge wrestling guy. Okay, and cool. WrestleMania coming to town. That's awesome. But it's really about the week leading up to WrestleMania okay. when every other company runs shows here. Okay. And uh, GCW announced today, April 4th to the 6th. So I'm already like, should I just put in my my time? Like, should I just <laughs> request the time off now? Yeah, th these are the things I think about. But uh, yeah, anyway, Foco, thumbs up. Uh, we got anything else? I, I feel like we've run through pretty much everything. That was pretty much it. I mean, uh, Charlie nailed it on the head. I mean, it, it, it sucks losing this this close, but look, the power play is a lot to be learned. Uh, you had five opportunities. You didn't you didn't convert on any of them, but that is the Carolina Hurricanes. So that's, you saw some of the best of the best, and you take that how you, you can. It, it really is funny that this game comes down to the power play mm. when – and it's Carolina who leads the league in power play opportunities, only gets one tonight, but they score on it. Yeah. And the Flyers' power play had really sucked leading up to the last week, and then they have three goals in the last two games. It's, all right, power play's coming around, then they go 0 for 5 tonight, and that's basically what decides the game. Uh, but that'll basically do it for us. I do have to thank everybody who showed up on Saturday for our first official PHLY Flyers tailgate. It was an awesome time. Dylan killed it cooking the duck. Uh, Charlie put together a hell of an event. Everyone here at PHLY, but especially all the fans who came out. Uh, yeah, had tickets we gave away some tickets whatever it was we appreciate your support and we're going to continue to have these sorts of events because it's the type of community we've always wanted to build we started at bsh and we're going to carry it over here at phly because we have the resources now to do things like throw a throw an awesome tailgate on a saturday morning and have everyone show up the way we, they did appreciate the support hopefully it's not during mls cup playoffs i i wanted to go you don't understand the fomo i had bill <laughs> that was that was a tough one i saw the i 
I was on my way to uh, a Halloween party that was letting out, or as the game was yeah, letting yeah, out, yeah. and we had like it's right, it was right over in Chester. So I was like, oh, I wonder, wonder how that went. I knew you were working over <laughs> there for that. Uh, so that'll do it for us. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, you got to hit that subscribe button, follow us on YouTube, wherever you find your podcast, and become a diehard subscriber, diehard member, allphly.com. My name is Bill Matz. That's JP for Charlie. Go Phils. Oh, damn. Y'all silly like the mayor. 